Again, I want to wish you a very happy Father's Day. We're thankful for all of our fathers, but we are indeed thankful for our Heavenly Father. And I tell you what, it's a song just like that that reminds us of how thankful we ought to be to our Heavenly Father. Let me ask you this question. Would you agree with me that our world does not need more men behaving badly? Agree with that? What the world really needs is more men behaving godly. That's exactly what I want to talk to you about today. Men behaving godly. Proverbs 20 verse 6 asks us a very sobering question. It asks us, who can find a faithful man? If there was ever a day where our world needed faithful men, today's the day. Today's message is a message directed specifically toward the men in this room. I'm sorry to exclude you ladies today, uh, but I figured that none of you would mind too much if I spent one Sunday morning trying to uh, help your husband, your boyfriend, your father, your brother, your son, or your pastor to shape up. Amen, ladies? Amen. Listen, men. What the men of America need today is a wake-up call. We need a wake-up call. Our world needs us today more than they've ever needed us. Our world needs us to be more godly men. Your wives need you to be a godly man. Your children need you to be a godly man. Your church needs you to be a godly man. Your business needs you to be a godly man. Your community needs you to be a godly man. And your nation needs you to be a godly man. I'm convinced that if families are going to survive the 21st century, men are going to have to stop behaving badly and start behaving godly. You see, when men behave badly, our society suffers. But when men behave godly, our society is strengthened. One of the many passages of Scripture that speak directly to this issue of men behaving godly is Psalm 112. In Psalm 112, Psalm 112 was written by a man for men. And that man that wrote it was David. King David. Now, to me, David was a man's man. Even when he was a young fellow, you remember when he killed Goliath, the arch enemy of Israel, and cut off his head, he was a man's man. David was also a family man. Even though he allowed other things to distract him from making his family a priority, David was still a man's man, or a family man. David was also a businessman, perhaps the most successful king in all of history. David was also a spiritual man, known as a man after God's own heart. You see, David experienced everything that you guys experience as a man, and he usually succeeded. Listen to what David said about men behaving godly. Psalm 112, praise the Lord, blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who delights greatly in his commands. His descendants will be mighty on the earth, the generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches will be in his house, hallelujah for that, amen. 
Wealth and riches will be in his house. His righteousness endures forever. Unto the upright there arises light in the darkness. He is gracious, full of compassion and righteous. A good man deals graciously and lends. He will guide his affairs with discretion. Surely he will never be shaken. The righteous will be in an everlasting remembrance. He will not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. His heart is established. He will not be afraid until he sees his enemy or his desires upon his enemies. He has dispersed abroad. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn will be exalted with honor. The wicked will see it and be grieved. He will gnash his teeth and melt away. The desire of the wicked shall perish. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that through your word today, you would make us men behaving godly. For your glory and in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's men said, Amen. Amen. Every day, 299,000 men become a first-time father. We become fathers without any training. We don't have a clue how to be a father. But if men would just behave godly, this world would be changed. Too many men do not have, as verse 1 said, do not have the healthy fear of God. Too many men do not say, have, as verse 1 says, do not find great delight in God's commands. For when a man truly fears God and truly loves God's word, that man is well on his way to true godliness. His life is going to be productive, his life is going to be successful, and he's going to excel. Just look at some of the promises there in, verse, in uh, Psalm 112, some of the promises that are associated with this man who fears God and who finds great delight in the Lord's commands. First of all, in verse 2, there is a promise concerning his children. His descendants will be mighty on the earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. There's a promise concerning his character in verse 4. Unto the upright arises light into the darkness. He is gracious and full of compassion and righteous. There's a promise concerning his conduct in verse 5. He's a good man who deals graciously and lends. He guides his affairs with discretion. There's a promise concerning his confidence in verse 6 through 8. Surely he will never be shaken. He will not be afraid. His heart will be steadfast. He will trust in the Lord. His heart will be established. But there's also a problem concerning, or his promise concerning charity. Look in verse 9. He is dispersed abroad and given to the poor. A lot of promises associated with the man who fears God and greatly delights in his word. To be quite honest with you, i got to tell you that this kind of man is real hard to find these days, even in the church. It's difficult to find the man that truly loves God's word and truly fears the Lord. But today, men, I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you in four specific areas that will help all of us men become men behaving godly. The first area that will help us to become men behaving godly is to acknowledge your influence. Acknowledge your influence. 
godly men realize the tremendous power of their influence in their marriages and over their children. I tell you what, the first thing, as a husband, you have a powerful influence upon your wife. I am telling you, fellas, your wife's happiness and your wife's emotional security in this life rests almost entirely upon you. Her security and her happiness. And that's exactly what the Bible means in Ephesians 5.23 when it says that the husband is supposed to be the head of the wife, even as Christ is head of the church. That's exactly right, because being the head of the wife does not mean you are her boss. What it means is, being the head of your wife means that you have the responsibility for her well-being. Just as Christ has the responsibility for our well-being. I read about Dr. Richard Halverson, who was the chaplain for the United States Senate for many years. And he said a quote this way that struck me to my heart. After 69 years of life and 42 years of marriage, Richard Halverson says this. It is my deep, settled conviction that 100% of the responsibility for the sustenance of the marriage relationship belongs to the husband. That's powerful. That's powerful. As a husband, you have a powerful influence upon your wife. But as a father, you also have a powerful influence on your children. In verse 2, we read it before, his descendants will be mighty. The generation of the upright will be blessed. They'll be mighty and they'll be blessed. Dads, what you need to realize is that you have a tremendous impact upon your children. Your children need you desperately. From bad relationships to low education from mental instability to crime, there is one factor that looms as the most significant contributor to bad children, and that is a home without a dad. A home without a dad. Listen, dads, you better be behaving godly, because if you don't, you're not only going to wreck your own life, but you're going to wreck the life of your children, too. I'm telling you, dads, if you blow it, if you fail to live, if you fail to act in a godly way, you're going to pass that same cycle of sin on to your kids. So acknowledge the power of your influence. The power of your influence upon your wife and on your children. But there's a second area that will help us to become men behaving godly, and that is to avoid the pitfalls. You see, there are some hazards that come with us being men. We all have these same hazards. We do not have a natural tendency to be godly. In fact, we have a natural propensity to be sinful. We have a natural trend to be selfish. That's what we do. We're men. We can't help it. Right, guys? (laughs) Amen. We all have these same hazards. But I want to share with you this morning... Four unique pitfalls that come with being a man. First of all, as men, we tend to be arrogant husbands and fathers. Someone said it this way. Men are 90% ego wrapped in skin. Hmm. It's true. 
I think most men think they're Rambo, John Wayne, Chuck Norris, and Albert Einstein all wrapped up into one. What do you think? Come on, ladies. Uh-huh. Testify. Ladies, would you agree with me that if you could buy a man for what he is worth and sell him for what he thinks he's worth, that you'd make a huge profit? Amen? That's right. Men, all kidding aside, our pride, our ego drives most of the failures and mistakes we make as husbands and fathers. So we need to learn to put aside that pride. Another pitfall that comes to us as men is that often we become autocratic husbands and fathers. Now that word autocratic is a $10 word for me, for bossy. Amen? Uh, we have a tendency, amen, we have a tendency to be bossy husbands and fathers because most men have this huge ego problem, they like to act like the big boss around the house. Amen? Uh-huh. They misinterpret the scripture where the husband is talked of of being the head of the wife. And so the husband begins acting like this overbearing tyrant around the house. They forget the rest of the scripture where Jesus says in the scriptures that we are to love our wives as Christ loved the church. Hey, fellas. If you're autocratic, if you're bossy, if you're overbearing, if you're demanding, if you're controlling your home, can I tell you you're heading for serious trouble? Serious trouble. Your children will rebel against you, and you will drive your wife away. So let us avoid being overly bossy. But there's a fourth pitfall that comes to us as being men, and that is oftentimes men becomes absentee husbands and fathers. Can I tell you that the worst thing for a man to do is walk out on his family? That's the worst thing a man can do. It's the most atrocious crime that we can commit. And by the way, it's possible to sleep at home every night and still be an absentee father. If your career keeps you from getting involved in your kids' lives, you're an absentee father. If you don't have time or you don't take time to build your relationship with your wife and kids, you're an absentee husband. If you're too busy, if you're too tired to connect with the members of your family, you are an absentee husband and an absentee father. You're still guilty of being an absentee father. I read this one study that indicated that the average dad spends 38 seconds a day talking to their children. Can you believe that? 38 eight seconds so if your kids start acting the fool amen if your kids start acting nuts if your kids start acting up could it be that somehow they're desperately crying out for some of the love and attention from dad I believe so hey dads if you're going to make some changes you better start today tomorrow just may be too late Pitfalls that men have. We can easily become arrogant husbands and fathers. We can easily become autocratic, bossy husbands and fathers. It's easy for men to become absentee husbands and fathers. But sadly, in our day and time, we also see a lot of abusive husbands and fathers. It seems to me that the rate of abusing men, abusing their wives and children seems to be uh, increasing exponentially. It seems men are taking out their frustrations, maybe taking out their fears 
on their families. But men, I'm going to tell you something from my heart to yours right now. A real man never, say never, never abuses his wife and he never abuses his husband. And I'll go so far as to say this. If you're physically abusive, you're not a man. You're a wimp. If you're an abusive man, if you're an abusive husband, you're not a man. You're a loser. There's no reason ever for a man to hurt a woman or a child. Men, also know that you don't have to use your fist to inflict pain. right wives and kids can be hurt in other ways they can be hurt by the way you talk to them if you're always criticizing them you're always busy telling them all you're going to cause lasting pain if you're always trying to control them trying to dominate them trying to oppress them you're an abusive father you're an abusive husband you may never hit your wife, you may never hit your child, but the way that you treat them, the way that you talk to them, may leave emotional scars that don't ever go away. So men, avoid the pitfalls of being a man by refusing to be arrogant, refusing to be autocratic, refusing to be absent, refusing to be abusive. Another area that will help us as men becoming, become men behaving godly is that is if we will arrange our priorities would you agree with me that many men have got their priorities all out of whack amen got to get a testimony a lot of men got their priorities all out of whack i read this magazine called industry week and in this magazine they surveyed managers all across the country and they asked these managers what do you worry about the most and their answers kind of reveal a twisted agenda in their lives. The number one worry that they had was personal health. The number two worry they had was lack of time. The number five worry they had was their personal investments. The number six worry they had was their estate planning. The number seven worry that they had was their relationship with their children. The number 10 worry that they had was their marriage. Would you say that most of these guys have got their priorities all messed up? Sure do. But you know what? Thank God for God's word. Amen? Because I believe that, that Psalm 112 uh, really gives us a great scale of right priorities. For instance, in verse 1, it speaks of a man's relationship with his God. Verse 2 speaks of a man's relationship with his family. Verse 3 speaks of a man's relationship with himself, that is, within his own character. And I believe that's a pretty good scale of priorities. God, family, self. Amen? Amen? God, family, self. Say it with me. There you go. So, let's look at that first one. For a man's first priority must be God. Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord and delights greatly in his commands. Gentlemen, your first priority to be a godly man is that you've got to have a passion for God. If you're going to be a godly man, you've got to have a passion for God. Let me ask you guys this today. Is Jesus Christ your first love? Is he your first love? 
Is he your first love? Do you think about him more than you do sports, more than you do your job, more than you do your recreation? Do you give him the first place in your time priorities? Do you give him the first place in your finances? Do you talk about him as naturally as you do anything else in conversation? Do you have a hunger and a passion to know him better? Is he got the first place? Has God got the first place for real? Only you know the answer to that question. But I can tell you how you can find out the answer to that question. Do you want to know who and what is first place in your life? Here's how you find out. Who or what do you think about the most? Who or what consumes most of your time? Whatever that is, is what's got first place in your life. A man's first priority must be God. But a man must also make a priority of his family. Verse 2, his descendants will be mighty on the earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Most men are failing miserably when it comes to their families. They're failing to spend enough time with their families. They're failing to meet the needs of their wives. They're failing to get in touch and express affection to their children. They're failing to communicate godly values and spiritual truths to their families. Seems like to me that by nature, most men find identity with their work instead of their families. Therefore, they take their jobs way too seriously and they neglect their families. They've got twisted priorities. They put their job in front of their family. But I want to tell you something, men. Listen carefully. If you're listening, men, say amen. Listen to this carefully. There ain't no career worth losing your wife and children for. I don't care how much money you're making. I don't care how many benefits you've got. There's no career worth losing your family for. So a man's first priority must be God. But a man must also make a priority of his family. And thirdly, a man must also make a priority of developing character and righteousness within himself. Psalm verse, uh, 112, 3-8 talks about a man who has made a priority of developing inner character and personal righteousness. Let's look at those real quickly and see what kind of man this is, this godly man. Maybe, you've, maybe you remember these. Look in verse 3 at the end. His righteousness endures forever. This man is righteous. At the end of verse 4, he is gracious, full of compassion, and righteous. He's gracious and compassionate. But he's also generous in giving. Look at verse 5. A good man deals graciously and lends. And verse 9 even says that he gives to the poor. This man, this godly man, is humble and discreet. Look at the end of verse 5. He will guide his affairs with discretion. This man, this godly man, is also steadfast and faithful. The trust is in his God. Look at verse, uh, verse 7. He will not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. But he's also reliable and fearless. He'll never be shaken. There in verse 6, surely he will never be shaken. In verse 8, his heart will be established. He will not be afraid. Men, can I make a suggestion to you? You need to make a priority of developing inner character and personal righteousness. We need to be about the business of properly arranging the priorities in our life. Tell them to me. 
I'm listening. Say it again. One more time. If you don't forget anything, if you forget anything I said, don't forget that. God, family, self. Now there's one last area that we can build upon to become men behaving godly. And that is to assume our responsibilities. I see several places of responsibility here in this man in Psalm 112. First of all, I see that we better be assuming our financial responsibilities. This man in verse 112 evidently was very responsible with his finances. Look in verse 3. Wealth and riches will be in his house. Hallelujah for that. Amen. Wealth and riches will be in his house. You know, this man in Psalm 112 uh, assumed his financial responsibilities. He's taken responsibility for his household finances, and he exercises discretion in his spending. But don't miss also that generosity is a major area, a major part of financial stewardship. Look there in verse 9. He has dispersed abroad. I, I, I get the picture of foreign missions in that, in that sentence. He has dispersed abroad, and he has given to the... Say it with me again. He has given to the... Given to the poor. Generosity is an important part of your financial stewardship. Here is a man who's not spending all of his money on himself. He's dispersing abroad, and he's giving to the poor. So many men are literally choking out the blessings of God on their lives because they're so doggone selfish with their money. They wonder, why ain't God blessing me? Well, who are you blessing? Who are you allowing God to bless through you? They're spending everything they make on themselves, and they're not giving anything away. Assume your financial responsibilities. But another area of responsibility in this, in this chapter is that we better be assuming our spiritual responsibilities. Men, do you realize that God has given you the responsibility of spiritual leadership in your family, in your community, and in your church? He's laid that right in your lap, put it squarely on your shoulders. And so we better take it personally that he has given me the responsibility for spiritual leadership. He has given you the responsibility for spiritual leadership in your church, in this community, and in your family. Listen, men, you better not leave all the religious stuff to your wife. Too many men are doing that these days. Don't leave the religious stuff to your wife. You better assume the responsibility as the spiritual leader in your home. It's high time, I think, that some of us men stop behaving badly and started behaving godly. Now some of you guys are going to put off what God's trying to tell you today. Some of you guys are going to convince yourselves that you can just do this later. But guys, I want to tell you, the time to deal with the spiritual condition of your life is right now. Right now. Say right now. Right now is the time to deal with the spiritual condition of your life. Some of you are hearing some of this stuff from your wife already. Some of you guys are hearing this from your children already. 
But now you've heard it from your friend and pastor, and I pray, hopefully, that you've heard it from God in your heart. So I wonder, are there some men here today who are man enough to make some serious changes in their life today? Are there some men here today who are man enough to quit ignoring God? I wonder if there are some men here today who are willing to stand up and be real men. Real men behaving godly. Acknowledge your influence upon your wife and on your children. Avoid the pitfalls of being a man. Don't be arrogant and autocratic and absent and abusive. Arrange your priorities properly. And what are those again? And fourth, assume your responsibility. You've got financial responsibilities and you've got spiritual responsibilities. Are you ready to man up on a Father's Day? Jesus manned up on the cross. He gave everything he could give for you. And it's my prayer today that if there's a single decision that needs to be made in here of whether you want to be a real man, you're ready to man up and take up some of the financial, the spiritual uh, leadership uh, things that you need to be doing, I pray you do it today. But today is also a day for people that, that want to come to know our Heavenly Father. And there's only one way to do that. The Bible says that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And that no man comes to the Father except through Him. So I pray that if your decision has been made in your heart, that you just come forward during our invitation song and you just allow the Lord to have your life. That's all He wants. Amen? He just wants your life. And if you give Him your life, there ain't nothing more to give, right? He just wants your life. From here on out, from this day forward, and if you're already a Christian man, but you realize that you haven't been assuming the role of a man behaving godly, maybe you're ready to assume that role. I'm going to be up here to pray with you, whatever the case may be. But whatever you do, be man enough. Man up and be a man behaving godly. Let's pray. Father, your word makes it crystal clear to me that you put the bulk of the responsibility for Christian families, for Christian marriages, for churches, for communities, and for nations right on the shoulders of your men. Father, so easy it seems we can get sidetracked and we take up some of those old habits. Perhaps we misinterpret what you say in your word. Perhaps we don't understand it, whatever the case may be. But Lord, I pray that you would help every man here today, myself included, myself at the top of the list, Lord, to be a man behaving godly. Father, I pray that you'd help us to do those things that bring you honor. And Lord, for those ones that don't know you through Jesus Christ today, I pray that today would be the day of their decision. And that, Lord, whatever you've called them to do, they'd be faithful to do. Lord, we love you, we praise you, we exalt you. In the name of Jesus, we pray it all. And all God's people said, Amen.
Father's lady. 
proud of him. But Jet has come, uh, made a decision three decades in Bible school uh, for the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, he prayed himself asking Jesus to forgive his sins and to uh, save his soul. Uh, so that being the case, uh, if he knows what that is, then he is at an age where he can be saved. And I know that he gives credit to a lot of people, uh, his grandmother, grandfather, uh, also uh, teachers like Miss um, Mary. Who else has taught Jet one time or another? Anybody else? Miss Lee. Miss Lisa May, yeah. Who else? And who's your, who's your teacher at um, Miss Stacy? Is your teacher at GBS? And who else? How about Mr. Um, Brother Charles? Sure will. Uh, remember now, Father's Day, spend time with your family. There won't be any church here tonight. won't be any uh, activities here tonight. Uh, is there anything else before we go? All right. Be blessed this week. Have a great week. And uh, uh, be sure to come by and, uh, and, and give the give these, uh, folks a hug. We're so proud of Jet. All right. Let's give the uh, – uh, let's, let's ask the Lord to bless us now as we depart, and uh, let's go to him in prayer. Lord, we thank you so much for all your goodness and blessings to us. And Lord, thank you for Jed as he has come to you and acknowledged uh, and uh, asked you to come to his heart uh, and save his life forever. And Lord, we just thank you so much for him and his family. Lord, bless them all. Lord, give us a great day in everything we do and everything we say. Let it be uplifting to you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.